The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player or situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Wallman. It feels like it's early as we head into week 14. Early. Wait a minute. Early bird. What? <laughs> what the? What? <laughs> you sound like Michael Scott. You never even saw the show. But, yeah, it is the, <laughs> yeah, the early bird discount for the uh, – for the rookie scouting portfolio pre-draft post-draft service is now available. You can um, pre-order it for $19.95 at mattwaldman.com. Just go there, click at the top green menu bar where it says purchase. You can fill in your information. If you already have a login password, you already fill that in and just pay PayPal. If not, you create one. They'll send you to PayPal, send you back. And then on April 1st or sometime a little bit before usually, I'll email you and then you can put in your login and password to download. It's that simple and you get a ton of information. If you've never seen it before, check out the scouting report on Sam Laporta that um, I put out this morning where I actually had someone with an extensive NFL resume this week go, you really nailed that eval, even down to the even down to the fact that you said the 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 floor scenario was him getting into a pissing con getting into a team where the GM and the coach are in a pissing contest with each other about how to use him um, and what could go wrong because Dan, he actually said, God damn, that's, that's probably the epitaph for so many players that people don't realize. So you can, you can take a look at that. If, you know, if NFL people are looking at it, if, if folks like um, Alex Brown, I always talk about what he does at SMU as the head of recruiting and knows what these NFL people look at. Hey, look, you know, work for your fantasy league too. 19 years. That's what we're heading into. 2195 com. Okay. Now that we're done with the spiel, uh, so, can we I get mean, on? Look, we can get on with this, but I just want to say like, you know, I'd like, you know, I want to keep your cash flow going too, but I'm waiting. I pay full price and uh, recommended reading people from me, Bob Harris. Uh, so there. Uh, so let's get into it. Week 13 was interesting was a narrower slate there were six teams on by or as i'd like to say four and a half because i'm not giving full credit to the giants or raiders at this point i'm just not um so <laughs> does josh jacobs count for three for three quarters of the half a credit that you're giving i yeah. believe he does. And, okay. and i'd like to include Devonte adams but sorry aiden o'connell would like me not to um <laughs> all right that was a harsh assessment i overdid right. it uh let's dive into the week 13 festivities then and uh, some of those festivities took place in Tennessee uh, where uh, the Titans uh, dropped the game to the Colts. And Alec Pierce was a thing. We've been waiting for this for a while. Three catches, 100 yards, a touchdown, all the things you want to see. I don't know that we want to see all the things, Matt. I mean, the same workload, just more production. Uh, feeling or fucking Alec Pierce. Yeah, I'd say fuck it for this year. But if you still have him dynasty, I'm still holding on to hope. Because you listen to Matt Ryan in the bro- in the broadcast. And as the when you have the former quarterback last year who had played with Pierce as a rookie throughout camp give insights about him on the uh, on the broadcast, there's some compelling things to talk about. One is that you know he mentioned that Pierce is kind of too nice of a guy who doesn't really demand a lot of targets, and when he does, he does it in a very kind of soft soapy sort of way. Um, but that at the same time, the Colts all recognize that they need to get him involved. Gardner Minshew said at the beginning of the, um, of the broadcast 
that um, or told Matt Ryan this week, you know, in the beginning of the broadcast, they said, um, Minshew said, we need to get Alec Pierce more involved. Um, and we're going to try and target him with some deep shots early in the game, which worked out. And Pierce actually had, you know, he had two wide open deep shots. One was hit. One was a complete miss. And then there was a play in the red zone or in the end zone at the end line where Pierce was open, but Minshew couldn't get the ball down enough to hit him. So really there were four big play possibilities in this game. And, you know, Minshew hit two of them. Now, like you said, limited touches, limited targets. That's the issue. That's what it comes down to for fantasy right now. But when you get, Anthony Richardson back and how good he is in the vertical game relative to Minshew. This is where you may want to hold out hope for him or buy low on Alec Pierce as maybe a, if you can get him as a wide receiver four, maybe a wide receiver five value. And if you had to pay wide receiver three, if maybe you can get a type of value, but you can get maybe a pick in return for in say 2025, go always go for like next year's pick, not 2024. When you, when you, you want the year after. If you can do that and pay wide receiver three value for him, I would do it. I'd give it a yeah. shot. People are going to connect. Like Alec Pierce played almost every snap, all but one snap in this game, more than Michael Pittman, way more than Josh Downs, who had like about 48 snaps, uh, outpaced uh, Downs on routes run, 46 to 37 did Pierce, out-targeted him by only one. I, I think people are going to connect these two things, uh, should they? Should they? Yeah, I think they should. And I think that it's one of those things that, I mean, he is, he's a great deep threat with a vertical game, but consider that what he does well is winning trust throws. And consider that since he entered the league a year and three quarters ago, he's had Matt Ryan, the Sam, um, the, the kid, Sam Ellinger, Ellinger, you know, and, um, you just said fuck Sam Ellinger in a very polite way. I know I did. And (laughs) Gardner Minshew, you you know, so you've had at plus Anthony Richardson. So you've had four quarterbacks to try and get some level of um, rapport with in a year and three quarters. And, and your main, the strength, the strength of your game requires that rapport and trust, You, you know? So I would say the long, as long as Anthony Richardson can stay healthy, the higher the upside Pierce has to actually meet his potential. All right, fair enough. We'll move on then. Uh, there were some things going on in Los Angeles where the Rams and the Browns were playing, and uh, and Joe Flacco returned to the mix. And uh, and so we'll talk about Flacco here in a second, but Elijah Moore had a pretty pretty monster game, or at least uh, the involvement was monstrous with, what, how many targets did he have? i got to double check. It was 11 targets. Uh, played most of the snaps. Amari Cooper was a little beat up, uh, but there's a connection, right? Obviously with Joe Flacco and Elijah Moore. Do you think this is a, a sign of that or fuck that? It's just Elijah Moore finally getting the run he deserved. I think I'm feeling it along in terms of him and Joe Flacco because in the three games that they played together last September before Flacco went back to the bench, um, Moore accounted for over thir- almost one-third of his entire season's project production in three games um so that tells you that flacco likes more trusts more and has the confidence in his ability to place the ball in tight windows for more to win and you saw that in this game 
where that he made some tight window throws to Moore. He also went downfield to Moore. And I think a lot of quarterbacks who are younger don't have the um, confidence to target smaller receivers in vertical uh, with vertical shots. And I think Flacco's a good example of a veteran who's like, no, nah, man, he's going to go up and get it. I'm going to put it where he needs to buy it. You'd get it. Now, in this game, he didn't quite do that. There was, no. but but he again. This is week one of him playing in this offense and trying to get rapport. So most of the downfield plays were either misread, you know, in terms of the coverage between the receiver and the quarterback, or some an inaccurate throw here and there. <laughs> but he also, but he did hit a lot of tight window throws with good coverage reads in the short and intermediate ranges of the field that I have not seen a Browns quarterback make this year and that includes Deshaun Watson so while I don't think Joe Flacco is going to be Cleveland Browns unlikely playoff hero and Super Bowl savior um, I do think that once Amari Cooper comes back from the concussion um, which probably will be you know a week or two most likely from what we've seen with concussions at this point um, Cooper can still have value in the playoffs he might have more value as much or more value than he did with Deshaun Watson um, and I think Moore will also retain a lot of that value. Well, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think you just politely said, fuck, fuck you to Doreen Thompson-Robinson and everyone else to B.J. Walker, obviously. So you feel like Joe Flacco is going to remain the starting quarterback for the uh, Cleveland Browns? I hope so, because I think that, you know, the Browns being, what, 7-5, and five, still have a yeah. shot to be in the playoffs. They have a really good defense and a strong offensive line. This is still a team that... If, you know, Baker Mayfield were a better quarterback at the time that he was there, um, this would be the tail end of their contention window. So Flacco, while not, you know, <laughs> ideal in any stretch of the imagination, still can move, still hits the tight windows, still reads the field well, probably is the best arm of the quarterbacks who, you know, who are on that depth chart right now. I, I just think that this is the chance this is your best chance and DTR to me is a, a version of giving up and I don't think they want to give up with the with the quality of talent that they have right now so the short version of this people Joe Flacco elite <laughs> feeling it I can't believe I'm saying feeling it to Joe Flacco but there we go uh, so one other piece of this offense that suddenly, you know, came to the fore, uh, Harrison Bryant, are you feeling his role is legitimate going forward? Is this, is it like, so we can look back over Joe Flacco's history and like he leans on the tight end a little bit, going back to his time at Baltimore. I mean, could, is this a sign that maybe there could be more than one fantasy relevant tight end in this offense? There could be, but I'll say fuck it from a cautious standpoint right now. But Harrison Bryant has a lot of that, <clears throat> um, a lot of the skills like a Dallas Clark type of player, or um, oh, I wish I could. Oh, I, can't, I know what his last name is. Pitta, Dennis Pitta. Dennis there Pitta. we go. Yeah, I was going to throw it out. Dennis, for you. I didn't wanna... Yeah, thank you, thank you. He's a very Dennis Pitta type of player, and you know Flacco had great rapport with him. Now yeah. Flacco did target Njoku a lot. And Joku had a long um, pass play that was called back because he had his foot just on the boundary, and he had a and he had a couple of drops, one one you know late in the game that could have kept the drive going. Um, so you know, and Joku and Flacco will probably get on the same page, 
and that will work out. But Bryant's a sneaky good player. He was my number one ranked player in 2020 in among the tight ends in the RSP and just kind of reminded me of a Hunter Henry, Dennis Pitta-esque, Dallas Clark type of player. So it's possible that that could happen because Flack Flacco's good at spreading the ball around. Um, but I would keep an eye on it another le- week before you say you feel it. I, I like, you know, so I'm just going to say taking advice from uh, from semi-Browns fans, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the optimism. No, I like, like I, I honestly, I feel the same about Flacco. I mean, why would you, when you're in the hunt and you have that defense, uh, not go with the, the, like, at the quarterback position in the NFL, success is a funny thing. Uh, sometimes just having enough experience to not screw up every chance you get is... Manage is, it. Right, is the thing to have. And and I was a little worried going in, and I talked about this with Mike Dempsey on the Football Diehards radio program on Series 6 and Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, we thought, like, you know, if you were, like, out there doing 7-on-7, seven seven, games were 7-on-7, seven seven, Joe Flacco would probably be the, the a champion every uh, in the running as a champion every year. But, you know, bring him in and throw him in with bodies flying around. Maybe it would be a little bit rougher this week wasn't as rough as I thought. So kudos to him. And uh, and I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, uh, sorry, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It's not a fuck you. It's just like, I'm going to wait your yeah. turn. F- f- fuck the rookie being the starter who's entering like three quarters of the way into the season. That's really where I'm <clears> at. Uh, Pittsburgh. I'm wondering if uh, Mirage has evaporated all by itself or was this more <laughs> Kenny Pickett hurting his ankle? Can this offense, uh, feeling or fucking Pittsburgh's offense without Kenny Pickett running it? Yeah, I'd say fuck Mitchell Trubisky and what this offense is going to be able to do. I just don't think Trubisky Trubisky still has a lot to prove, that, and I think really that means that he's already proven he's he's a backup tier passer who may do keep the offense sustainable against weaker defenses, but against mid tier to to good defenses, I think you're going to see. Um, you know, Matt Canada picket-esque numbers, but maybe a little worse. That doesn't sound good. I thought, like, I didn't think, uh, you know, I mean, it was against Arizona. There should have been way more offense in that game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I wonder if the, uh, I, I wonder if I'm not ready to say fuck it to the offensive renaissance that we saw the week before, which was maybe a little hopeful. Maybe it was just that emotional bump yeah. uh, that the Panthers are wondering if they couldn't get a little more of too. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, so, so, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm not going to be enthusiastic. The running backs in Pittsburgh, feeling them all day long and play the one you got and enjoy that. Uh, running back issues for the New England Patriots from Andre Stevenson has a, a sprained ankle and uh, is likely to miss some time, it seems. Uh, if that's the case, is he, uh, Ezekiel Elliott feeling him as a playoff hero or fuck that? The Patriots don't score enough damn points. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough situation. The only team out of the, you know, they play Pittsburgh, um, Kansas City, the Denver, Buffalo, and you know, looking at it from that standpoint, yeah, the Broncos are one of the easiest teams to run against. The Steelers aren't bad either, and the Bills are kind of mid-tier. Um, so, you know, I would say that in theory, <clears throat> Ezekiel Elliott is playable in practice. Yeah, fuck that. It's most, so it's uh, unless it's like, go ahead. Let's just, you know, stipulate right here. Three losses, consecutive losses for the New England Patriots. Your opponents have scored a combined total of 26 points. Yeah. 
Patriots have com- scored a combined total of 13 points, including the shutout against the Chargers, which is a notoriously generous defense. Um, I, I don't see a path going forward for anybody on this team to be fantasy relevant. That said, the running back, whoever it is, whether it's rival Ramondre Stevenson or Ezekiel Elliott, I feel that is like somebody who can help you avoid a zero. Yes. But not by much. No, it's like you're you're hoping for a shot in the dark based on volume. Yeah, and, maybe they accidentally score a touchdown. Yeah, you know, maybe exactly. And and or they accidentally get it within the five where then Ezekiel Elliott can be good because he's great in the red zone. A couple of Packer-related questions, and kudos to them for taking care of business against the Kansas City Chiefs and making the league a more exciting place. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, sorry, Taylor Swift. Didn't mean to <laughs> cut your cut into your vibe or whatever you do. Um, so Tucker Craft. So first, let me say, let me ask you this: Feeling Matt Lafleur's play calling, I saw him setting up a lot of stuff for success. It seemed like over the course of this game, one of them nearly a touchdown to Tucker Craft had he caught the ball or they're not been a good defensive play there was like wide open field what do you think about Matt LaFleur yeah I mean I think Matt LaFleur has done an excellent job and and you know you have to consider these young receivers and there's not an older receiver in the room so if you've got one you know Jordan Love with his first full season as a starter with a bunch of young talents at receiver something has to be managed right or love has to be out of this world great as a leader. And I would say it's somewhere in between. Love has probably proven that he's probably gotten the confidence of the staff to obviously get rid of Aaron Rodgers and just go roll with them and feel like that he has the communication with his players well enough and the respect of them that he can connect with these young receivers and do a good job of managing that. And so far he's proven that he has. So the you know, hats off to LaFleur for having a scheme that leverages the talents and understands these talents well enough and can work with them to make sure that they're on the same page. So I, I definitely feeling him. Specifically feeling Tucker Craft. I am long-term. I I actually didn't have him that far away from Luke Musgrave. Musgrave's the more physical talent. Um, you know, if you're looking at downfield catches in the vertical game that are not as common as people want them to think that they are for tight ends. So. I would say Kraft is a little bit more rugged as a runner than Musgrave. He has potential as a blocker, and you can see he's getting more and more targets. And Green Bay actually plays a lot of two tight end looks, um, formations two and three tight end looks, um, because they like to do that with their run game. They also like to create matchup issues for for coverage. It's a very difficult um, alignment. So I'm feeling Kraft... Um, from a long-term standpoint, right now, he might be worth a matchup play just if you're in a desperation situation, but especially with um, our man, Christian Watson, out. So so let's go shorter term. And so Dontavian Wicks, is he a potential playoff hero? We'll see what Christian Watson has the hamstring. You saw him go down late in this game. Seemed like it was maybe not that serious. He remained on the sideline and, you know, didn't, you know, seem to be moving around okay, but uh, clearly an issue. And it was an issue earlier this season. Wicks, you know, has been his direct backup, and we've seen a lot of action when he's been out and, and, you know, played at the top of the rotation with Dubs is not, you know, on the field or uh, Watson. Do you feel like he's a viable play down the stretches? Can he can he get something done for you? Oh, absolutely. And if you're in a three or four receiver league, I think he can be a starter for you 
considering that they're going to face the Giants, the lowly Buccaneers defense, the Carolina defense, and Minnesota, which blitzes like crazy oftentimes and leaves the middle of the field open where Wicks can really roam. So if you're if you're desperate for a receiver entering the playoffs and you and Wicks is sitting there on your um, your waiver wire and there's not much else there, pick up Wicks. You might actually be able to start him and get somewhere between fifty to seventy yards and a touchdown. You know, on I would bet you know at least one of those four games i would even expect two of those four games he might actually give you a touchdown <clears throat> somewhere between 50 to 70 yards i i, I agree with that and, and i i just you know it this is a reminder the conversation we're having right now is a reminder that a lot of times the conversations you're having in june uh end up being totally exactly the way things play out there there will be all kinds of you know circuitous things going on along the way but this has been something that's been common for me in like I've been doing this for 30 years and uh, so many seasons I find myself in heading into December thinking wow this is exactly what we thought in May and we thought a bunch of things in between right like oh maybe this maybe that but like kind of the like the the most logical outcomes or the most I think maybe we're early, we learn early on what the team's desired outcome is and a lot of times it ends up heading that way whether it gets there in the direct route we like or not it kind of winds up there. And I think in this case, you know, the Jordan Love, the discussion we had all along was, you know, well, the Packers are probably going to feel like they have a guy who can play, whether, you know, whether he's great or not, we'll find out or he'll work his way into that. But they're clearly committed to him. And they furthered that commitment by surrounding him with nothing but young receiving talent. And they said at the time, we want them to grow together. Oh, whoa, look, they're growing together. Imagine that crazy it's a, thing. It's a great point, and on top of it too, <clears throat> I'm really happy for Jordan Love because watching him a number of years ago at Utah State, I was like, "Oh, this does not look good." Like this is a big arm, great physical talent. Like you, you know, the way he processed the game was awful at times. Awful, awful, awful. I mean, like Drew Locke, like. Drew Lunk, Drew Lock on acid type of awful, um, you, you know. So the fact so I've that I've done acid with Drew Lock, and let me tell you, it's not that crazy an experience. See, well, see, that's and but see, you're that's overstating the case. But that's disappointing then, because it right. should be a crazy experience. <laughs> so we might go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, but seriously, I mean, I think that the fact that he has gotten this good also is a good teaching point for about quarterback play and why a lot of these guys could be good with more development, but when you say they're going to face challenges early on in their career, why that bust rate can be so high because teams are impatient. Yes, that, exactly that, and the Packers are not being that. I'm impatient with DeAndre Swift because he's showing me who he is. Oh, uh, no. DeAndre Swift will lead back in Philly next year. Feel it or fuck it. I mean, like, not a great showing against San Francisco, or are we going to overreact to that, or is this a legitimate uh, question? I think it's a legitimate question because I think he's always been a limited back, and that and San Francisco obviously is a, is a very strong defense, but when you look at where he, you know, you look at the New York Jets, who are good defense, didn't show up very well there. Dallas, good defense, didn't show up there. San Francisco didn't show up. But the weakest teams, yeah, looks great against Minnesota and Tampa. Um, you know, Buffalo's a weekend defense that's so-so. Chiefs are pretty good. I mean, you're going to, does he, I guess the answer is, do I see him being a top 15 back, um, you know, next year? And I would say fuck that. Maybe top twenty-four, 
and and more that they're going to get another guy in there because I think they know that they're limited with what he can do and they're going to need to pair him with somebody else. But I think also, you know, this just the offense doesn't seem to be built around the running back. It seems to be built around the quarterback, which more and more sure. teams are doing, right? There are still running backs that are that are that, but he's, you know, he's an ancillary piece that supports yeah. the quarterback, like the receiving core and all those other pieces. And there are going to be times where they need to lean on him more heavily, depending on the game plan, and times when, like in this game, they don't, although maybe they should have early on. Who knows? I, I don't know. I'll, I'll say this. Maybe they just needed to look at their depth chart a little bit more and pick somebody else at, when he's struggling at certain times. I know that sounds sacrilege, but... That may be the case, but I'm with you that maybe I'm a little too harsh saying fuck that. I would. He's definitely a starter. Well, so I'm, I'm going to say that. Sure. So look, yeah. as somebody who has zero percent shares of of DeAndre Swift, for the reason being, I felt like he, you know, I felt like the last coaching staff didn't trust him. All the talent in the world, notwithstanding, they didn't trust him. And then I talked to people from the Eagles uh, heading into the season, and one of the arguments was. Well, they feel like uh, they feel like he's going to be great because he gives them a receiving ability they haven't had. And I said, really, is that true? Because like last year, they didn't throw the ball to their running backs the fewest times in the NFL. But also, uh, they had a guy named Miles Sanders there who, uh, during his rookie season, became the de facto wide receiver one because of injuries, caught 50 passes and looked like he was a fine receiver. And they just never used him like that again. Yeah. So I was skeptical about you know what kind of bandwidth we were going to see with DeAndre Swift. And honestly, it's been way better than I thought. Uh, but I think the up and down is going to be probably something that happens just by the nature of this offense because this is a Jalen Hurt-led offense. And before we get off the subject of the Eagles, I just something that struck me about Jalen Hurt, just like as I've watched the season, I want to be more like that guy. Yeah. I want to react to things like he does. Yeah. I want to have the level of composure he has. Yeah. And you think about it in the moment, and you think about it then big picture, and you know the the, the things he's gone through, whether you know his college experience and you know and early in his career people kind of dismissing him and thinking they should move on and he's just taking it all you know he don't give a fuck about any of no. it and, and and maybe he does but you'll never know it looking from the outside we, i'd like to, we I'd should like to have, have a little more of that we should have jalen hurts's face as the poster child right. for the fuck it side of this podcast <laughs> in the best possible way like you i'm know? a 62 year old man and i would like to have the uh maturity and composure uh, on a regular basis that he shows uh, every time I watch him. So yeah. kudos to him. I, kudos I'm so him. glad you call that out because, I mean, that Alabama-Georgia game, right. that championship game, I mean, you saw that everyone saw that game and saw his face, and you're thinking, wow, he's putting on a brave face, but his career's over. Like, right. you're thinking, this kid's got to be destroyed after that in terms of what's going on. You're not rooting for that to happen, but you're just thinking, how does someone come back <laughs> from that? And the way yeah. that – and now – He's arguably better than the guy who replaced yep. him, you know. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoy, enjoy watching him play. Uh, not a fan of you know teams, so I don't care if they win or lose so much. But uh, do enjoy some of the moments. Agreed. But then uh, San Francisco, the Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. Uh, this is not a feel it or fuck it. This is how the fuck could they not be? Yeah. Uh, just like point to the two games: the game we just watched yesterday and the Cowboys game. When they have all their pieces intact, Matt, this is probably the best team in the NFL. Feel that? Yeah, without a doubt, because Brandon Cooks is probably one of the top 12 route runners in the league right now. Um, you know, George Kittle is still one of the top three to five tight ends in the league right now. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back who's healthy uh, in the league right now. And, you know, and still probably would be regardless of who is or isn't healthy. Um and then you have this great offensive line because, of course, Trent Williams might be the best tackle in the game still. 
and Purdy, you know, we, you know, we'll talk about him, but I, I, you know, I look at this and this is a, you know, terrific offense with a strong defense. Um, you know, the linebacking core strong. They've got good pass rushers. I mean, adding Chase Young to that right. mix. I mean, listen, I don't know who's, I do not know who the AFC is going to field, um, but we do. They better know, pack a lunch. Yeah, they better pack a lunch. That's for sure. Right. Again, all the pieces in place. It does seem like they need all those pieces. That it's a a truly uh, you know symbiotic bunch of people that 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 you know when all the things are there, like they can win without all the things. But when all the things are there, they're it's a dominant. dangerous unit. You yeah. invoked the name Brock Purdy, so. Uh, let's uh, step into that thing. Uh, will you now at least acknowledge that your hatred of Brock Purdy, which has been expanded on many, many times on this very program, sir? Look at me go all cable news on you. <laughs> Brock Purdy, feel him or fuck him? Yeah, uh, fuck the fact that you said all that, but no. <laughs> no, obviously I'm feeling him. But, um, you know, it's been telling because there's a guy by the name of Honest NFL, I think that's what it is on Twitter, he is a, a former quarterback and a former scout connected with the Eagles. And he was just, he said, I, I, I would have never thought in a million years that I would be um, showing teaching tape that included Brock Purdy um, making the, with the footwork and the throws and the windows and the processing that I've seen from him. Um, you know, and this is the same Brock, these, some of these throws and things that he did are the same things that looked good against the Bengals weeks ago when everybody was ready to decapitate him from, right. the, from the lineup. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm totally feeling Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was a buy low, and I don't think he is anymore. Right, uh, totally feeling him and have been all along because uh, the pieces around him, like, you know, when I wrote my, uh, I wrote a column this week, I write a DFS to column every week on tournament play, and like, so, wow, look at how expensive Chris McCaffrey is and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Everyone's really expensive, and Brock Purdy is not. Why not buy the stir that straws that drink and get pieces of all those expensive pieces uh, at a discount price? And I think that's what kind of Purdy is to me in a kind of a, a microcosm. He has all these great pieces. He's in a great scheme when all the pieces are working, and he's certainly capable of, uh, of maximizing their abilities and not without some talent of his own. Like, his escapability is surprising, I think, and you know, his ability to avoid the pass rush is, is kind of, you know, unexpected to me at times. And so, yeah, kudos that's, to that young man. Yeah, and and that's one of the best things about his game. Even pre-draft, it was his ability to maneuver the pocket. A lot of people yep. said that wasn't the case, but it was very strong. So, yeah, I love it. And look, the micro-dosing has taken effect. You said it was the stir that straws that drink. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I appreciated how that mic, you know, tell Drew hello. That's for sure. <laughs> Derek Henry. A running back one next year, feel it or fuck it. No, no, I, no, let me qualify. <laughs> December, Derrick Henry, a running back one next year, feel it or fuck it. Oh yeah, totally feeling that. But I'm feeling, I'm feeling that it's going to be de- if the right team gets him, it's going to be December all year long for Derrick so. Henry. Um, he still plays. He's man. The fact that he can, the fact that you know, look. Tiki Barber's doing the podcast. You don't think that he's going to be critical of running back play and he's doing the broadcast and you're watching Derrick Henry execute cutbacks. First of all, if you can make a cutback and beat a cornerback to the far sideline, that's a display of top end speed. He still has that. He scored on it on the cornerback on that play. And then if you can take a play and basically stiff arm a 300 pound defensive tackle and put him immediately on the ground with one touch one quick touch and then get outside three more guys 
to the near side, that's burst. And then you and then there's also oh the efficient movement that he often shows to cut inside and people just mistake see see things and say oh we'll see how he falls forward for five yards yeah that's a nice benefit too okay I'm I like that he's tall and that he can use his right. length to do that <laughs> that's fine but the fact that he can make the cuts that you need him to make so that he can then extend forward um, don't discount that either some team. Some team that needs a running back or decides, look, we've got a lot of pieces, but we need a guy who can pound it up the middle, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you, you know, um, if they had Derrick Henry, f- fuck DeAndre Swift at that point. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but that would be, you know, that'd be a great combination. The, you know, if the Vikings somehow thought they had a prayer to win their division, they could replace you know, Alexander Madison right then and there and be in good shape. The Browns don't think Nick Chubb can come back. You know, that would be excellent. Baltimore. Baltimore would just be, that would be it. I would like to see, that's where I really want to see Derrick Henry as the king in Baltimore um, in the Emerald City, right? That's what they are, right? The Emerld City. All I know Something is like, like old people Charm still City. getting fun is, is my lane. So uh, I'm feeling Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, like it's it's been interesting because the usage up to this point has been, you know, not working in his favor to the degree we'd like. I mean, we saw way more Ty J Spears than probably most of us expected. Yeah. But I think as we get down to the to, to the games that matter most, you see more Derrick Henry, and yeah. maybe that's maybe that was the plan all along, right? Maybe they felt like there was a need to was to reserve plan. him for this. So uh, fair enough for that. Puka Nakua, Matt Waldman, what's his real value? I think a really good wide receiver too, who can give you some top end wide receiver one games. Man, he had a fantastic game against Cleveland this week, just from the context of that he got hurt on a sail route where basically he looked like he had really badly injured his chest yeah. and they walked him off the field. Then he comes back on and basically is a lead blocker for, um, I think it's Kyron Williams or, or Tutu at one of their, one of their players. He, he was a lead blocker for and did a fantastic job on Grant Delpit and then continued to make, and then had like two more runs in that game, big runs in that game. He's a tough dude. He, he reminded me of Golden Tate coming out, um, and I thought that was his kind of upside. Well, he's already there. I didn't think it would I, – I thought it would take longer than this, but he's he's already there, um, and I think that he's a Golden Tate type of player who can give yeah. you that borderline wide receiver one value in the right offense, and this is the right offense. Feel it or fuck it, Demarcus Robinson, the Rams. Uh, I'm feeling it for him because he's getting a paycheck and he can That's make it. some big plays and he's got Matthew Stafford, but fuck it in terms of a reliable receiver right now. Ten targets on the year. I'm, you can't. He's caught nine of them. Good for him. And the touchdown yeah. was great. But yeah, the usage is gone. I mean, and that's even remember, we've had a long series of games without Cooper Cup and still didn't get a whole hell of a lot of Allen Robinson. So, or Demarcus Robinson. My yeah. bad, Demarcus. Yeah, Demarcus might be an upgrade actually at this point for Allen. Unfortunately, how how far the mighty have fallen? I'll say that. Alvin Kamara, a Hall of Famer, feel it or fuck it. Totally feeling it. I don't I care about know. the debt. I don't care about the stats, which he'll probably have. It's You'll just, have. yeah, he's a. If you want, if you could, if my mind was the internet, you could probably put in, which you would not want, but you could probably put in Google. Um, 
you know, something like Shaolin tackle breaking master. And that would bring up Alvin Kamara, you know, it, Alvin Kamara would probably be to me. He's like the Bruce Lee of like running backs <clears throat> in terms of the things that he can do to, to break tackles and, and, and just make plays. And what's hilarious about him is that Sean Payton talked about how when Kamara got in there, um, to New Orleans that he didn't like running inside. Right. And I could tell you that because I missed on Kamara um, because I thought he all he did was bounce plays outside and he wasn't a very good inside runner. Well, I think Peyton called him out on it and and Kamara was one of those rare guys who not only fixed it, but became great at it. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think the uh, baseline he said early in his career with the uh, receiving work with Drew Brees put him in a great spot going forward. And now the touchdown production and just his, you know, the ability to, to take roles. But also working in his favor is like this is such a pass happy league and there's so many receivers. The log jam there is so great. Seems like there's not a lot of running backs are waiting in the queue and uh, that'll probably work in his favor as well. So uh, he's got that going forward. I agree. Uh, Sam Laporta breaking Dick as a rookie season record. That's the yardage record uh, that he's working towards. He's also working towards the catch total record held by uh, Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson, yes, and the fantasy points record held by Ditka. He's not. He's on pace. He just passed Kyle Pitts um, this week, and he's bearing down on both Jackson and Ditka. Um, he's number three on that list. So, yeah, I'm totally feeling it with the pace that he's on. All right. So then feeling or fucking Laporta sustaining his value beyond 2023. Is his quarterback dependent? Is it Ben Johnson dependent? Maybe moving on, the offensive coordinator, he will be a hotly uh, desired head coaching candidate. It might be a little bit of both there, but I think Jared Goff is sticking around. I think Ben Johnson probably is long gone, but they're going to probably find someone who will run an offense – that emphasizes two tight end sets still because that's their philosophy. They want to run the ball. They also want to be multiple and they want to um, give Jared Goff time to pick people apart. And this isn't a traditional offense. I mean, Jamison Williams is probably not going to be a primary receiver in the league. He's probably going to be more of the field stretcher number two or number three and probably more the high-end field stretching number three because Amon Ross St. Brown is not – Stefan Diggs, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams type of player, but he's a damn good um, possession plus receiver who can operate as a number one. And I would say Laporta is really that number two option. Yep. And let's remember something. Sam Laporta in the Scott Report, which again, you can read at MountWaldmanRSP.com. I gave away, um, a, that's a free sample of his report. One of the things I mentioned about his, his, product, his uh, metrics is that they were very similar to Evan Ingram. And if you recall Evan Ingram come out of school, a lot of teams considered him, maybe we should scout him as a wide receiver. Maybe we should use him at wide receiver, not just at tight end. So he's not as fast as Ingram, but he's just as quick. And that short area ability is great. He's going to match up against linebackers and safeties, and he's going to win, and he wins downfield doing that. So really with this offense, yeah, Laporte is going to continue to be that as good as we've seen. He's going to be a top five guy year after year. He may not always be a top three guy, but the fact that he's already here and not and there's really not a separation in tier. He is he is on average one catch for ten yards behind T.J. Hawkinson for the number one spot. That's so all that separates him. 
Sam Laporta, my most uh, drafted commodity in Dynasty this year, because why? I read the rookie scouting portfolio. I didn't get the early bird edition. You could do that as a discount. You should go buy it today. I'll go pay full price when it's time to pay full price because uh, it's like a bargain at full price, honestly, people. So uh, tell them again where they should get that right now, Matt. Sure, mattwaldman.com, and that runs through December 21st, Thursday, December 21st. After that, then that. you crazies can get it later. All right, well, I'm going to go to work now. Let's do something else. Goodbye. Yeah, Love you. Bye.